clear. We are the weirdos. I am God. What? I tried to warn her. Hello, friends. (laughs) (laughs) The end Uh, of another amazing season, Sam. What a fucking season, Jordan. What a season! I can't believe... The diversity of film, the diversity of thought, Mm -hmm. um, and also what a range of guests we were able to have. Oh, we started this, we started season two with Sick Girl. I I thought about that. I was like- We started with Sick Girl. We stood up and we said, this is what's important. We don't care that you're skipping to the Jennifer's Body episode. No, no. And and Vivian was like, I want you to break form and do this episode of television. And she was right. And we said, yes, Vivian, you talented director. Yeah. We will absolutely deviate form for you and only you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, exactly. And, I, and you know what? Worth it. <laughs> I, we had such, I, I mean, like, obviously we're going to get into it because as you know, listeners, if you listen to season one, the end of season one, we did a little bit of an awards show for our, uh, for our season of, of films that, you know, did not get awards. So you are here for the second annual 2021 yeah Aughts Awards yeah this this the super the Aughts superlatives here they are yet again we are and here. it is important that you know listener for the authenticity of our commitment to this me and Sam have accidentally um donned thematically matching shirts we are today. both wearing Jennifer's body shirts yeah I, and by the way it was an accident yeah. I, I really just like put it on as like, I'm feeling this today. Why am I yeah. feeling this today? Because it's obviously Aterion superlatives. <laughs> yeah, that's clearly, that is, I, we were like, we need our power apparel. And we both decided it was Jennifer's body shirts today. And here we are. So, okay. so remind me, what we did last time was we each presented our pick, right? Yes. So and we have our main did awards. We settled, we settled on one winner. I don't. I think we started trying to do that, and then by the end we were like, "Fuck it, we just both pick." Yeah, yeah. I so think okay. Yeah. I think that I like works that. better. I honestly I think, like that. I think we just go through them, and we each have our own pick, and then yeah. afterwards we have any additional award noms that you and I would like. Yes. That that didn't make the cut. So, um, I would like to to lead the way. Yes. With uh, 2021's best. Very sad mystery. Best very sad mystery. You all know yep. we love a sad mystery. It's the mm-hmm. odds. There has to be a reveal of a sad backstory. And sometimes that sad backstory has an additional ba- sad backstory. So, <laughs> yeah. you know. Sometimes it's a very layered affair. There, There's there's no, there's nothing too sad for a horror movie in the odds. And yeah. that is why I would like to bestow very bad, very sad mystery upon mm-hmm. House of Wax. This is why. Because... Okay. Now, while last year we had an array of very sad mysteries, like I Know Who Killed Me, which is actually literally a mystery, and Black Christmas, which is, surprise, here's a mystery. Uh, I would say House of Wax has maybe the most egregious example of very bad, uh, or very sad mystery in Ott's era. It's pretty intense. It's something that we could have done, like to me, the entire movie can operate without it. Right. Yes. I mean, it's like, yeah. they're it like. It is tacked on. Listen to me. I heard you talking. You don't need to do this. You didn't have to listen to your brother. I saw both scars and the high chairs. No! It is, that's what, which is what makes it such an aughts era example of Very Sad mm-hmm. Mystery. And that's very yet, true. 
you know, nor I don't want to get rid of it because in the climax of the film, we get to see the wax version of the conjoined twins that are at the core of this uh, very sad mystery. And we get to see them severed like a knife through butter. It is completely justified by that one visual element. Wouldn't have cared otherwise. Don't really need it. And I got to nope. say that visual element. Give it to me again. Which doesn't that just speak to, as we discussed in that episode, aesthetic as substance. Absolutely. Visual this, as substance to me, of the if, 2000s. This is what makes House of Wax such an exceptional film and, and a candidate for the Osterian collection. What have you selected? My very sad mystery is it goes the, it goes the I think, exact opposite route of the ostentatiousness of the 2000s. Oh. I'm going with Scream 3. You know what? I almost did. Because, like, I get, like, I see exactly why it could be House of Wax. And then just my, because it it is the sad mystery of Maureen Prescott yes. that undergirds the entirety of Scream. It was in the 70s. Everything was different. I was well known for my parties. I didn't know what they were. It was for girls like her to meet men. Men who could get them parts if they made the right impression. Nothing happened to her that she didn't invite in one way or another. No matter what she said afterwards. Are you saying she... I'm saying things got out of hand. And also is like the secret sad mystery that people I don't think considered as a sad mystery Did you even just at say the time. In SSM? <laughs> SSM. There's an SSM in in uh Scream 3, the secret there's sad a, mystery. Yeah, there's a secret sad mystery I and love I love it. I think it is it is done in such a way that I, when I think when the episode came out and when we were talking about it, I had an exchange with a few people on Twitter that was kind of like, "Oh, wow." That is what this movie's about. Like, yeah. this movie is about a Harvey Weinstein figure. Harvey Weinstein, who is the producer of this, like, top producer of this movie. Right. This is about a Harvey Weinstein figure ruining a woman's life. Like, doing what he would go on to be, Harvey would be go on to be accused of and convicted of by, convicted for by dozens upon dozens of women, women spanning decades. It was like, Hey guys, surprise, 10 years later, this is a very sad mystery movie, and you should think about it that way. Versus the overtness of the very, the overtness, the tact onness, the extraness of the very sad mystery of House of Wax. They're complementary. I will say too, we've heard from a lot of you about the Scream 3 episode, and I want to say thank you for such an engaging and awesome Twitter dialogue. Um, I... It's a personal favorite of mine that we've done, and I'm so glad that it struck a yeah. chord with so many uh, listeners. Yeah, I that was that was a fun one to be the first scream episode because it definitely is the one with the smallest community behind it. But with perhaps given its timing and the expansive nature of its sort of layers on layers of meta commentary at that point, um, it provides I think the most unpacking. Regardless of how one feels about the film, I think it provides maybe the most opportunities for broad unpacking of any of the installments. Now, I know that I, when I texted you, I suggested that we do a Best Supporting Actor or Actress and Best Actor or Actress. But I do have a Best Supporting Mm -hmm. Actor and a Best Supporting Actress. 
Oh, okay. I, I, and I wouldn't normally, but I was actually like closing out of this and I was like, I'm just going to throw him out there. Best supporting actor, Miles Fisher. I, I, as soon as you said, but I decided, I was like, this is going to be a final list. I normally don't, (laughs) you know me, I'm great. Great. And I was like looking at seriously, all 10 of them could not find a best actor, but I will say (laughs) (laughs) best supporting actor, Miles Fisher gives the most with those eyebrows. And I think by doing Mm -hmm. his video for new romance, he -hmm. actually makes an extended universe at a final destination five. And I'm going to count that. That's he his does, best performance. Does, he does make it an extended universe. He's he so charismatic does. in it. And so basically I'm bestowing Best Supporting Actor on Miles Fisher for his music video that uh, that is not officially connected to the movie. Yeah, I think we can I think we can just call it he's the best supporting actor of Great. season two. Yeah, Done. I think we can just call it. We agree. It. Oh my god, I love it. Oh yeah. Virtual let's, high five. Let's just stick with yes. That. And my <laughs> best supporting actress is actually I have along, to have a best supporting actress, yeah. Yeah. That's actually along the lines of what you uh, were just saying. For me, it is Parker Posey as Jennifer Jolie in Scream mm-hmm. 3. Mm-hmm. I I would wager that she is one of the greatest characters of the series. Yeah. And uh in and and enjoying her performance again and again. It has aged just as it was beautiful in that moment. It is mm-hmm. beautiful now. Parker yep. Posey, we love you. I am giving she is my best supporting actress. Fifty dollars. Who are you a reporter for Woodsboro High? worth two grand are you gonna help Gal Weathers or not and what I and why and this is I feel like this is a great this is a great uh in in dialogue with the sad mystery because you're gonna go the Scream 3 route what Parker Posey is giving in Scream 3 is like an indie comedy excellent performance yes she's giving an indie comedy supporting role performance that is amazing and that's why I'm gonna go with the v- extremely couldn't be more odds best supporting actress Leah Pipes. You know, Cassidy, sometimes when you're sarcastic like that, it really makes you sound like a bitch. And nobody likes a bitch. Friend. Leah Pipes. This is yeah. this is the House of Wax response to the Scream 3 uh for the purposes of best supporting you're actress. Right. Leah Pipes. You're man. right. I mean what a fucking and it's not it's not better than Parker Posey. It's entirely no. different. different. Yeah, this is from like, what Parker Posey is doing. And Sorority Row is entirely different. Ots horror than how, Scream Three. I remember getting this feeling watching like I think it was the the Emmys in 2020. Mm, was that with okay. all the best actresses? It's just like well, how the fuck am I going to pick one of how these? The They're fuck? all so different. This is yeah. this is this. I love Leah Pipes. I fully support that. And thank God we don't have to choose one. Yeah. Because they are both officially best supporting actress, 2021 Ots Both. Yeah. 100%. I, it, 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 choosing would be crazy. We Sweet. would be cheating ourselves. We would be cheating them. Like, why? We don't have to. It's not fair. So we don't why have to pit we? women against women. That's not what we do here on this pod. Not that, in 2021. That may be what other pods do. I'm not naming names. That may names, be what they did of, in know. 2007 in Sorority Row. <laughs> yeah. But it's not That may what be what they did in here. these very films, putting Gil Weathers <laughs> against Jennifer Jolie and pitting mm-hmm. Leah Pipes against everybody. But that is not what we're doing here. No. No, we are, that's because we're here to correct the record. So let me ask, if that mm-hmm. is your, your choice for best supporting, mm-hmm. who, my friend, is your choice for best actress? 
I, I thought about it and then I was like, I want to consider this a difficult, I want to think of this as a difficult choice because in some ways it is, but in every other way it's not. It's Megan Fox. I know. It's Jennifer Check. Yeah. I, like I, I was, I was looking at the list being like, oh my God. Like I, I could say, I could say Nev Campbell every time. I could say Courtney Cox in three with because that's the gail weathers movie that's the gail weathers scream i could i you know there there are so many i i could say um angela bettison may like or not in sick girl Girl, i know she was in i mean she killed it in sick girl and i just but i was like but you're just saying people to try and find a a less an alternative to an alternative yeah you're trying to find a reason to be like but it's so default, Megan Fox. Here's the thing: there's what no else competition. Could I say? She uh, so it my isn't. there isn't my reveal. My best actress, Megan Fox. He's into maggot rock. He wears nail polish. My dick is bigger than his. Well, I think he's really cool. You do? Yeah. <laughs> I we mean, both came prepared both, today with uh, our shirts. This is the thing. It, it's Megan Fox, Jennifer's body. It, it, it is not... I, people throw around the word iconic. Um, I especially throw around the word iconic. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I? I mean me. Like, I, I'm, like I'm me taking this. complete control of that word. Uh, or credit... Uh, Megan Fox. I... <laughs> Megan Fox. She is, yeah. she is the mean, definition. Even, again, I will... I will go back to repeatedly as often as I can. The interview at Beyond Fest, the beginning of that conversation with Karen and Megan, I like, I was like starting to get into it. And and Karen was like, can we just, she was like, pause. She was like, can we just take a minute and recognize that the work that Megan is doing in this film is iconic. Like she told the room to take a fucking You know who doesn't throw that word around? Karen Kusama. Karen Kusama. She's Karen not Kusama is not throwing iconic around. And as somebody who interviewed her for the doc, she does not mince words. This no. woman knows exactly what she wants to say. Yeah. And she's, she. so these are choice words. And honestly, she is, there is nobody, it, for me, I know this is a season two award. I would, I would go out on a limb mm-hmm. and say that Megan Fox's performance as Jennifer is probably my uh, my favorite performance. We're gonna cover on this on this. I point. would I would comfortably project that out. I think like I I can I can roll that ball down yeah. and and see like future options. And it would be so, me trying to rationalize someone to just not be the such obvious and inevitable. She gives me such a wetty. It smells like Thai food in here. Have you? It's been like fucking? when Meryl Streep is it's, nominated something for something, and you just you're like, yep, it's Meryl. The way that she delivers the dialogue in this film is is she does it for humor, but she does it with a depth that allows yep. you into a a creature, this mm-hmm. person that is actually secretly all of us, mm-hmm. and uh and, and the vulnerability of that performance, as well as the power that she chooses to mm. wield as God. that character, I, I I the balance that she strikes is um, I mean almost impossible. I don't. I couldn't see this role in the hands of anybody else, and that's why, listener, if you are out there and somehow, somehow, <laughs> somehow you're listening to this, and you have not seen Jennifer's body, yeah, if you've been saving it for some reason, because at this point it's a choice. Like I forgive you, that's fine, but but 
do do not yourself a favor do us a favor yeah and just get us. up to speed because to be real you got to do it for somebody and it's obviously not going to be you or you would have done <laughs> yeah, it by now or you would have done so, it by now so do it for us go watch jennifer's body and understand that this is the performance of a decade guess who's got the whip until eleven thirty? a 2003 chrysler sebring and it's all mine <laughs> oh hi chip it smells like thai food in here have you guys been fucking? <laughs> You're gross. And I, I think too that um, it, I, I, I love the script for this film. I love Diablo Cody's dialogue. It is, it is a benefit. It is not, it is not an albatross to me. I love Karin Kusama's work in it. I love her point of view on it. I love the way they talk about it after the fact. I think all of them, if you ask them explicitly, does this movie work without exactly what Megan was able to do? I think the answer across the board would be like, oh, not a chance. Yeah, it was. And that's that's the brilliance of the creative collaboration. Diablo knew that it had to be Megan. This was she didn't accident into her. It wasn't like a series of audition tapes. She was like, this is for Megan Fox. Diablo knew what needed to be done. They got her. Karen directed the shit out of it. They got the best out of her. She calls it the best work of her entire career, her favorite thing she's ever done. This movie works. It worked then, and it has aged as well as it has because of the layer, the execution on the surface level of the fun and the biting one-liners and the personality down to the layers that have given it such a gorgeous retrospective life a decade on. It's it's because of Megan. I... We're talking about the spirit of collaboration, and that is what every film is, is collaborative. Mm-hmm. It Well, film is a collaborative medium, as we learned is collaborative medium. Urban Legends Final Cut. Yeah. Um, now, I know there's auteur theory, and it's like this person's film, a film by so-and-so. Guess what, friends? It's not. It's a film by that person and the 2,000 people that helped put it together. Yeah. <laughs> it, this is not, like, there's no, yes. no film is on the shoulders of one person. Mm-hmm. And I would say that. Um, this moves into the best picture territory, but I will say best that Jennifer's body is such a perfect example of what good collaboration looks like. When you listen to the music, when you look at, uh, at the cinematography, when you see the directing of those performances and also mm-hmm. the performances that meet that director and mm-hmm. say, yes, I can. The dialogue that's written, the locations that were scouted. I mean, I'm yep. talking every element, the costumes, choosing that, that tiny sweatshirt from the baby gap to put yep. on. Yep. To put on Jennifer's body, or sorry, to literally put on Jennifer's body. Put on Jennifer's body, body. literally Um, Jennifer's body. What we're talking about is a collaboration that is so magnificent and so so very special. It's already Mm -hmm. one thing for a movie to just get done, just to finish a movie, start to finish. Goddamn, isn't it So fucking hard to do that with, with such a, it's such a symphony of elements. Well, that's where we arrive at Jennifer's body, which is clearly... The best picture. I, I Look, I, I had written down something else because, in all honesty, I was trying to find something else to talk about because we always it's talk trying about... To, it's just trying to find something else to talk about. Yep. But, but when <laughs> when talking about even just in vocalizing mm-hmm. the all the different um, departments that had to come together to make this film so good, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I just have to hand it to them that as a picture, this really is yep. best picture, Jennifer's body. To the, sa- to the soundtrack. To, to the, the soundtrack. soundtrack. To, to the sound of to it, the, to the songs of it. To the songs, yes. And all the way down to, I mean, like, the only department that really dropped the ball was marketing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only one. The only one. Because Fox Atomic really let them make the movie that they wanted to make. And then they just then they just completely fucked it 
in 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 selling the movie. I I will have an add on to this in a second, but was Jennifer's Body your choice for Best Picture? Yep. Which is why I think it, it, I think we should. What would your runner-up be? So my runner-up. Like, let's put an so, asterisk by like it's like Citizen Kane. Like right, know? that's what I was thinking. So like if if I were to Jennifer's Body aside because we know how great it is. Yes. My best picture would hands down be Sorority mm-hmm. Row. The yep. reason why yep. we have gathered here on this podcast to talk about overlooked horror and yep. and and that has. It, it, Sorority Row was so emblematic of all of the things that are aughts horror, but done wow. right. So wow. it's like, even the things that Sorority Row does wrong, or mm-hmm. even the wrong elements that Sorority Row infuses, mm-hmm. it does them right. Yep. It does them in a way that's fun, and it's mean-spirited in a way yep. that that invites you in to have mm-hmm. that good time. Yep. Sorority Row, to me, is is our 2021 aughts Cheerion best picture. Cheers, slut. And as as we discussed on the Sorority episode, it's the 2000s Megamix. It is. It is the 2000s Megamix. Like, it is the, it is so aughts. It's, it, it came, it's, two, is it 2006 or 2007? 2007. Oh my God, I knew it. As soon as I said, I'm like, no, it's 2009, sorry. 2009, okay, 2009. Right, We've we done were... this before with this movie because it's such a, it's such a, melting pot of the aughts it, it it's like it exists in every year all well, at once from the 2000s i actually think that it why why it exists in 2009 and and feels like other things is that it collected it, it collects elements from other parts of our decade oh and it God. infuses them into the movie you talk about it being a mega mix and it's like well it's going to take the celebrity appearances that like it's going to take the paris hilton of house of wax and turn that into audrina Patrick, yep. it's going to take um, the costumes that you know, and it's going to uh, to hit the gas. It's it's yeah. going to take the original soundtrack of something so powerful like Jennifer's Body in two thousand seven. Mm-hmm. Or, 2009. Oh my god, two thousand nine, and uh, immediately. Sorry, the the numbers in my head now are just floating around, and I should yeah, just cancel at this myself. Point- no. um, <laughs> but what I'm saying is, like everything else in the decade, it does all of it. It does yeah. all of it. Well, and, and, and where where body is is so aware of the era and intentionally commenting on it and, and also creating a, a fantasy world of sorts. Like, yes, right. it is a supernatural movie, but there is a specificity to the reality of a Diablo Cody movie, Cody movie in that time, the same with Juno, where it was like the Diablo Cody verse. It was like the in the way that like a Quentin Tarantino movie essentially takes place in the real world, but it takes place in Quentin Tarantino's version of the world. And with the language and the colloquialisms and its point of view, a Diablo Cody movie at that time took place in Diablo Cody's filtered version in a sort of hyper real way of our of our world that we lived in, whereas Sorority Row is just in the world of the world showing you the world and the comment on the world comes from the fact that it is so succinctly expressing the sincere reality of the time that it's like wow it's like you handed me a study guide and it's my job to to look at this before the test betas this party kicks off our senior year but first shout outs claire i like being your friend because it makes me multicultural without having to do anything. <laughs> it's like the multiple choice test of the aughts, whereas Jennifer's body is the critical reading test of the there aughts. There you go. Oh my God. Yes. Very well yeah. said. Because, and, and Sorority Row, I think, 
where Jennifer's body exactly is the critical reading. Sorority Row is Sorority Row appears um, in a non-threatening way. It shows up anch- firm, yeah. firmly anchored in its decade um, mm-hmm. and and delivering exactly what it thinks the audience wants, which is also yep. indicative yep. of its decade. And so why it's such a special film to me is that like we it's easy to throw away and as horror bros have but also just people who are like oh my god we're having this conversation right now about britney spears about paris hilton about this conversation yep. that wasn't happening two years ago uh or no, even a year no, ago not even, pod, not even two years ago it's yep. like i i by having these conversations it's easy to throw a decade away and be like as soon as you turn on sorority row go uh this is trash just like all of it because this yeah. is its perspective I think that's what especially makes Sorority Row worth watching. Mm-hmm. Watch it through a 2021 lens. Watch it knowing what we know about power dynamics and people and yep. what was happening in films, what was and wasn't able to get made. And I think I think you will have a real treat. And I think too that just as a as like a as just like a side detail, I, I think the writer Josh Stolberg, his continued love of the movie. And the way he, too, is, like, team Chugs, Chugs for Life. Mm-hmm. And the way him and Leah Pipes seem to have maintained a relationship or a friendship. And she's um, she's involved in another thing that he's working on right now. Her embrace of that role and her joy in that role is so evident. And her continued collaboration with Josh Stolberg and the way that, like, there's just, there's a kind of attitude around it that tells me, the the revelry of the movie that the way we talk about it feels like it was the kind of revelry of at least some of the people involved in the movie and making it like they knew exactly that kind of dark dessert that they were giving you i think that will i'd like to say one of my additional award noms would be best mean girl dialogue and i don't mean of the season i mean of the decade i truly think wow leah pipes's character jessica in sorority row yeah best Mean girl dialogue. Period. Wow. Oh my god. No. Megan. Oh wait, wait. no, don't go out there. What? I tried to warn her. Yeah. Be- better 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 mean girl dialogue than mean girls. I truly think so. <laughs> Honestly. And mean girls again being almost like the fabulist version of that in the right. way that you know there are the there are the vignettes in mean girls where like the the mall becomes a jungle and like there are the sounds of like chimps and tigers coming in and the way that you know there are sort of almost dream sequences of how she imagines this high school to be it is the fantastical version in some ways of the world we were living in whereas sorority row was the world sorority row is like what jessica's giving us i mean it's it's why we can't resist mean people. <laughs> I, I truly are, think that's, you are exa- that's the difference. It's why we love Blair Waldorf. So, exactly. because I it, think It's why we love that all the time. What a lot of horror writers, I think, misunderstand by when they create these characters is they just create people who are needlessly cruel but good-looking. Yeah. And we're like, well, they're good-looking, so that's why they're leading. Yeah. No. They're wow. leading. Like, it's actually the real-life Jessicas who have that charisma and that ability mm-hmm. to deflate in in an app. In, under a sentence, mm-hmm. that's the kind of person that leads, and so it's I, the kind—it's the kind of person you want to please. Yeah, you want to please that person. I—I I truly think that she is one of the most that accurate representations of that archetype I've ever seen. Wow, that would, is so good. Would you like to toss an additional award nom at me? Um, I best kill, best kill, and I think you know where this is going. I or know. as soon as I say it, you'd be like, "Of course, it's the high bar." 
it's it's the it's the it's the uneven bars in in Final Destination Five. It is it, the it, best uh, kill. I love that you're giving Final Destination Five that love. Because I mean, the kills in that movie uh, generally outstanding. The the laser eye fake out. That's not the kill. She's gonna go out the window. Like that movie, the whole bridge sequence is outstanding. Amazing. That kill the because it, bars. the entire scene around the uneven bars that is unfolding around it, it like becomes part of the best kill. Because the kill is not just the moment. I'm stressed that her body out hearing you hat. beginning to set the scene. <laughs> like yeah. It is, yeah. It is that level. I'm. It, it's in, it's unbelievable. I, I think it's, it's. Um, no matter how you know how and when it ends, it doesn't fucking matter. I don't care whether somebody's remaking Final Destination or not. I think it should be required viewing for every horror director to watch that scene. By laying in all of the elements that it could possibly be, the, the mm-hmm. plant and payoff uh, of every moment of how that's executed is is flawless. The suspense, the way it's ramped up. It, it's best kill, not just because, like, something like, so I could easily see something like House of Wax when mm-hmm. Paris Hilton gets impaled. It's like, oh, best kill, because that's fun. It's using a pop cultural moment. It has to, it, it says a lot about what's happening at that time, and people cheer. Mm-hmm. But... Is that kill really all that elaborate? Not really. They right. they they cast a star and they killed her. Yeah. Um. It, when you watch something like Final Destination Five, that's actually taking a great kill and turning it into a tableau. It is a work of art. It, it, it's in especially in the misdirection of thinking that more is going to happen on the balance beam than actually is going to happen, and in the, ultimately it's distracting you with the balance beam to make you think that that's where your anxiety should be. Even though you see the screw loosening on the uneven bars, you're like so focused on the screw, on the balance beam, the shock that hits you when the uneven bars go wrong is unbelievable. Yes. (laughs) It's unbelievable. I would like to add. Yeah. Best POV. Mm. The baby in inside baby pov you know me i love when we get the perspective of a baby (laughs) and in inside we get the perspective of her unborn baby multiple times yeah we get to really experience what it's like being inside of a computer generated womb (laughs) yes we do i was so excited for it i love the baby's reactions (laughs) i love the baby's reacting the baby's experience well it's it's obviously this baby's a pisces because <laughs> it is very intuitive and very sensitive to its surroundings and is reacting mm-hmm. to things that it can't see mm, because okay. it's an unborn baby. Mm-hmm. But yet, here we are. <laughs> this Pisces is feeling everything. I love the baby in Inside. And also, I will add, that is one of my favorite episodes I've ever done with you because wow, Mario Kart ghosting. High concept. I have heard other people who who do podcasts have listened to that episode and been like and have had a, a similar audio error and been like you know i think i'm gonna do it and they're almost like half texting me to find out if it's okay it's like guys steal it it's a fun bit but you'll never yeah. do it like i did no it, that's the thing like you you can do it you you can pull it off but to make that sing that's a tall order that is a tall order. And, and me and you sitting side by side, sharing an earbud, sharing earbuds, yeah. so I could be like a rolling reaction track, yeah. while you are filling in the gap. I mean, the production on that episode alone. I mean, <laughs> I, you all. And so, if you have not heard it, whether you've seen the movie Inside or not, it's actually fine to just go listen to the episode. But uh, the and you may not have heard it because you saw the title and you were like, I don't know that movie. Um, yeah. it's, a, it's a it's a French home invasion film. Mm-hmm. Um, set at the holidays. Love that. Yeah. And what happened is the audio totally crapped out. 
I like I went back to listen to the file and it was a single beep. And and Sam Sam Zimmerman is a is a tremendous guest and he's so intellectually rigorous yes in in his conversations about horror and so this was this was a real like this was our most academic episode it was probably, so like, dense in the traditional sense yes. so dense and i had done all of this prep that i was very yes. proud of because yeah. i i'm really interested in obviously not just that year but also what happened in that year outside of the u.s mm-hmm. and so there are these gaps of sound mm-hmm. that last minutes Minutes. And so um, when when going back into it, uh, Jordan was like, well, do you want to rewatch the episode? And I was like, or rewatch the movie? Look, and I didn't know. <laughs> no. I'm not going to rewatch it. And, and like and eight months that later. When Sam doesn't rewatch something, it goes. It's gone. It goes out. It's yeah, gone. I, did, I, do, I could not find my notes. I was like, well, I'll just refresh by looking at my notes. Guess what? Those are long gone. <laughs> so I have and, and I also have ADHD which means I forget the episode as, as soon as I record it as soon as it's um, I guys I laugh at my jokes from last week like yeah. it's like it's like that I'll text Jordan and it's be like, so fun knowing how new it's gonna be to Sam when is, he listens to an episode I love it it's such a fun experience to be able it's to great. to 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 enjoy this podcast um but anyways that said inside I just went back and I Mario carded it like anywhere where there was mm-hmm. a gap I just started talking so yep. Please, if you uh, if you enjoy that kind of thing, uh, yeah. go back and listen to Inside. If you enjoy performance art, go listen to the it is, go listen to the Inside. It episode. is the performance art of this podcast. I think I I have to give a I think best quiet best like quiet MVP the quiet MVP of of season two. It's it's Reese in in Urban Legend Final Cut. I I'm gonna it's agree Reese. with you because she was she was there in one. She's our anchor in two. I, I, she, her whole deal, the the whole conclusion with the gun, you just gotta you 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 you've got to shout it out for Reese. Urban legend, my ass. I love. I want to say I love Reese as a whole in the series because I do. Right, one, mm-hmm. she is so lovable, but what she does in two is she takes the character and she gives it so like it's like she took all the parts that we liked and she was like. Mm-hmm. How about we double it? Yeah. And that's why, to me, like, you're right. Reese is like an MVP. She's like a yeah. secret MVP. Yeah. Especially since the, that, that movie, it, it, she's the perfect kind of, like, dial. She's not a ridiculous character. No. She's not, she's not, like, she's not a sassy black woman. Like, I don't, I really don't think. I, and it, it allows the role for her, to, it allows her to... Loretta, Loretta Devine. Yeah, Loretta Devine. It allows her to dial up Reese and be more involved and be like our exposition messenger into part two without turning into a cartoon. I you're agree. actively you're actively rooting for Reese. And and the movie pretends like it's not gonna give you more of her, and then it does yeah. in a very big and satisfying way. And yeah. that to me is really smart. I would I would add that if and I know this is never gonna happen, I know they're just gonna remake <laughs> Urban Legends and it's gonna be right. a thing. But say they were to make a, a Scream 5 type thing or a scenario mm-hmm. where they were or Halloween 2019 or 18 or whatever it did. Yeah. Um, if it, like, say they were going to do that to uh, to Urban Legend, I would want Reese 30 years later or whatever. Oh, yeah. Like, I were 20 Absolutely. years. Absolutely. That's what I want. I want Reese, but later. And I want her at the center of it. I want this to be her fucking movie. I mean, she is she is essential to the climactic moment. In one of the funnest climaxes of the era with the gun gag in Urban Legends Final Cut. And like 
to get to elevate her character to being quintessential to that moment. I love that. You know, I want to say the most shocking rewatch for me. Mm-hmm. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I I hear you. I gotta say, I I hear you. When it first came out, I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, I it really got me into seeing a lot of older stuff. I was already a fan of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like the original, mm-hmm. and so seeing the remake, I was like, "This is a great remake," and it is. I mm-hmm. think watching it today and seeing the black and white way that it approaches gender and mm-hmm. sexuality, um, I was I was shocked at how homophobic it was. Mm. I that that homophobia wasn't just like a throwaway line. It felt like steeped into the material, mm-hmm, like from mm-hmm. the beginning when they're in the car and they like he they make the gay jokes to like seeing the two killer lesbians kidnap a baby. Yeah. I wish I, so to me, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was like a really shocking rewatch. I just didn't expect it, even though I had seen it multiple times. I think it, it, it it's I think a, I think that's a great way to phrase <clears throat> that movie as like the most shocking rewatch because at the time and and as we talk about in that episode it very much did catalyze the high gloss remake machine the platinum dunes michael bayization of the remake machine that would come in the decade but we were like it's so of a piece of that time that when you think of it in in the context of things like the hostile movies the saw movies and the the hyper brutality of that era it admit it fits it's like oh yeah that makes sense and you watch it now and it is to me, the, the TCM franchise is the most difficult to watch of all of those super killers. Yeah. It's just so fucked up. It's so fucked up in its violence. Like, T- Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the 74, is still one of the most upsetting movies I've ever seen. And and on occasions when I've rewatched it as an adult, I'm like, I'm not less upset by this, actually. Yeah. It's still, it, the impact is still there. And watching 03 Texas Chainsaw and not having revisited it in a while, I was like, wow, this is so fucking dark. This is gnarly. This is sad. This is sick. This is grotesque. Like, it really epitomized all in the way that, in the way that Sorority Row does the bad things about the 2000s joyfully, Texas Chainsaw 03, for better or worse, I think it's a very important cultural artifact, it really lays out the worst of us. Yes. In a way that's not actually fun. In a way that's just ugly and upsetting. That's a really good way to put that. I think it's like the it's like the 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 dark side of the moon, where like you have you have the side that we see in Sorority Row that like the bright light, and then there's the dark side that we you know the unacknowledged we never see. I, I think it is the dark side of the moon for for Sorority Row is I wax love is TCMO three. I am into that as a metaphor. Yeah, it's just like mm, that part that like where no man shall venture kind of situation. Yeah. It's and it like it is impressive in the purity of its depravity. Yeah, I think I said Truly. this in the episode. Like, I'm really glad I saw it again. Probably won't be picking it up for an additional watch. Yeah. Yeah, and and truly a well acted movie. Yes, and and actually impressively, I, Jessica Biel is outstanding. Oh my god, she's Jonathan so Tucker good in it. Also, is doing his max Jonathan Tucker intensity. Like, I believe every death in that movie. I'm like, these performances yeah. are so good. It's so stressful, and it yep does what it does to absolutely mm-hmm. imprint itself on a future generation of horror. I mean, you see yeah. the you see the echoes of Texas Chainsaw for years to come. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that I don't even even in like Saw movies at a certain point almost become quaint. Like yes. it, it's such a routine at it. Like the, the like and this the first movie is almost genteel compared to the violence in later installments because it has to keep ratcheting up. But it hits such a cartoon level yeah. of violence and like escape room almost. Like it's like being in a gory escape room. This movie still feels more upsetting in its brutality and its gore than almost any other, I think any other mainstream movie I can name out mm. of the States at that time. That is a really, that's a really astute observation, friend. Can I have an additional award nom yeah. from you? Yeah. Um, I, best ensemble, Sorority Row. Yes. What an ensemble. Best ensemble. I And, like, and also best use of Rumor so... Willis in that whole decade. Like I've seen oh a God. lot of great Rumor, but Rumor has it in this movie. <laughs> yeah, that is another if 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 Reese wasn't my secret MVP, honestly, it would be Rumor Willis in this movie. She No one's going to die, Ellie. Well, Megan. <laughs> it is I just had a really crazy day and <laughs> Ellie, I don't really know where my phone is right now. I've had a kind of a crazy day and I don't really there's been a lot of shit going down here. So can you just give me a minute? Her performance, like it's like I feel like it's at the time in in the odds, what we get is a lot of like okay in any Zeki we get a lot of nepotism, but somehow sure. in the odds, if you were oh, somebody's man. sister, <laughs> yeah. you had an album. Right, yeah. like you had coming out, like it is you. The the requirement. Yeah, we had, we had Ali on a low hand, guys. Yes, we had we had. I mean, this was the era that Ashley Simpson could outsell Jessica Simpson. You're absolutely so, right. So when we think about somebody like Rumor Willis, who was the product, Britney uh, Spears' sister had a fucking show. She had a show. She had. I, <laughs> what? And, well, she is her own mini so My God, Jane, yeah, she's a she's a mini. Jamie Spears. I know you listen to this. Jamie Lynn Spears. <laughs> and listen, you can you can unsubscribe, you can unfollow right now. Yeah, I will you're not hoping be every episode to hear your name. And now that you've heard it, get the fuck Go. out of here. So I I think that what's interesting about Rumor Willis being Demi Moore and Bruce Willis's kid were mm-hmm. all like it was like seeing her in House Bunny or even show up on Gossip Girl felt like yeah. titillating in a way where it's like, oh, she's somebody connected to some people that we're familiar with. When she's in sorority row she's like by the way i'm a fucking actor yeah and i like i'm gonna do i'm gonna make this stock annoying character so enjoyable to watch you're not gonna be able to give up on me yep like that is the character so often that you're just rooting for to die you're like get the get get ellie out of here put ellie out of her misery not Rumor Willis is Ellie. Yep. Nope. Because Rumor Willis is, I, I hope you all can understand, because it's hard to explain now in a, in a modern context, but she was technically kind of a crossover moment. So we think about crossover yeah. moments like when, like I said, when Audrina Patridge, is that her name? Yeah. Like she shows up in yeah. uh, House of Wax, when Paris, or sorry, in Sorority Row, when, when Paris Hilton shows up in House of Wax, when Lindsay Lohan stars in I Know Who Killed Me. These are crossover moments because there's, there are people who are so big culturally that yeah. they're just showing up somewhere you don't expect. Uh, yeah, Rumor Willis, crossover. Rumor Willis was a tabloid sensation, and so mm-hmm. we often forget that she was photographed so much because people were obsessed with Demi Moore and her relationship with Ashton, yep. uh, Ashton Kutcher, 
And so Demi Moore was And a, she's the she's the oldest of, of the, the Rumor Willis children. She's yes. the oldest of the three daughters. And and then Perez Hilton, being the fucking piece of shit that he is, um, mm-hmm. famously picked on her and would call her potato head again and again in mm-hmm. all of his posts. So yeah. So she kind of rose to infamy by being the subject of like an unasked like she did not ask for this spotlight. It was just nope. thrown upon her for the way that she These looks. kids were raised in like Sun Valley, Idaho. Yeah. Like that is where Demi and Bruce raised their children. They were not like they were not out on the scene kids. Right. But they were dragged and particularly rumored into the public eye. And then obviously she's And then dragged in front of the public eye. Because I think that like that's the important thing with rumor, and I think why that performance personally felt like such a victory watching. I had you know, we had all just culturally watched her just get shit on by everybody for so long. And then she shows up in this movie and she's like a great actress and she looks fucking sexy. So they can, yeah, they can take their potato head and just fucking fuck off. Like she really, um, I, it made it especially satisfying to see Mm -hmm. her nail that character. And to, and to, to have it culminate in a triumph for Ellie too. It was like, she got to, she got to do well with like comedic timing the entire movie. And then she got to be a fucking hero in the end. I guess it's time to say farewell, asshole. You know, I know I was going to say like just three additional award noms, but you know, we always have more. (laughs) We did this last time too. I'm going to add best single line in a horror movie. I don't need friends. I need fans. And I have to give a counterpart just because it deserves a shout out. but, But like, I don't disagree with you. But if there, if, if I don't disagree with you, go with it. Tell me. The, the runner-up is. Film's a collaborative medium. Oh fuck! <laughs> <laughs> you are absolutely right. Definitely the runner-up. I yeah, because like it because oh, I don't need friends. You can't like go. Yeah. I need fans. We know it. If we say it, like we when we when you see this movie again at the theater, you say it out loud with your friends. That's what we did. But it's the anthem of a, of a micro generation. I, I don't need friends. I need. Fangs. I think film as a collaborative medium is an unsung quote that yep. we have. Most unsung. Most, most that's unsung. It. Your and best, you've got best quote. This one is most, most unsung, unsung and quote. Listeners, you can help change that. You <laughs> yeah. personally can start quoting it and tweeting it. And honestly, people need to hear this. Film is a collaborative medium. Yeah, because the great thing is, it's also true. That's what I love about it, it as a it's villain. Delivered by, by it's delivered by a shithead villain. Yep. And it's also accurate. And it's also absolutely true and yeah, so uh, i the idea of him weaponizing that sure yeah because you know, i don't he need hates friends that. i need fans is also it also created emma roberts as we know her it today. did yeah that is the moment that was the birth that is the moment that created emma roberts as we understand her as a celebrity today yes god agreed i think i feel like ryan murphy saw that and was like okay so i've started putting out american horror story we're going to slot that girl in at some point. Yeah, how about we and just build a season around her? he had a witch her. season come around yeah. and was like, mm, I know exactly what I've been waiting to do with Emma Roberts. My friends, what world are you living in? I don't need friends. I need fans. Ryan Murphy saw Scream 4 and he was like, what's... It? And I would say it cast a spell on him. <laughs> yeah? I would. I would. Now, are there oh, any other awards that you have written down that you would that I have not given you the chance to say? I do need to. I do need to shout out through acknowledgement. Best, best set, bet most aughts 
set piece house of wax. It's this it's, the house burning down at the end. I, I couldn't agree more. And honestly, again, it, this it, is that has to be acknowledged. A lot of the these awards are like that movie full decade awards. Spectacle. Yes. Yeah. Like this is like most best spectacle horror moment in a spectacle horror decade. The house melting at the end of House of Wax. I am so it's been such a pleasure seeing people turn around on House of Wax this year. Oh God, yeah. Um yeah. I'm glad that we uh listen, our impact. Our impact. <laughs> I iconic, perhaps. Seeing House of Wax on lineups this Halloween. Yep. At multiple multiple theaters. Shocking. That were playing it in there. I could not believe. I was so happy. It is yeah. about time that we look at House of Wax and say yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I one one thing I would say this is like kind of like if I were to give an honorary award mm-hmm. to um the straight man who got it the most right when it comes to queer representation, mm. Lucky McKee. Mm. Lucky McKee. Lucky McKee. I was, give him, I was thinking of like how are we going to work him into this and what he yeah I, I was like is it best gay moment is it most gay thing, thing? Is, like, I think best ally Lucky McKee best ally. Because Best ally, think, Lucky McKee. Mm-hmm. I think Lucky McKee wow. is is an example of how allyship in film should work. When you Agreed. watch Sick Girl, you see a man who didn't just have an idea. He consulted queer people about how to execute that idea. And he made sure that their moments mattered to them as characters and not just as plot devices. It was, it was not just, oh, I'll just make the character gay. That doesn't change anything else. Right. He yes, it does. He... Didn't just swap a gender at the last minute and then take the credit. This man wrote a queer horror film. And and in my eyes, I... Uh, He's ally of the decade. He is. I agree. May, sick girl. All cheerleaders die. All cheerleaders die. die. Like, he's he's the ally of the decade. He is ally of the decade. So, Lucky McKee, we are huge fans here of you at Odds Tyrion. Congratulations. We are awarding you ally of the decade. Yeah, truly doing it like the other girls couldn't do yeah like and having the bravery at, to do it yeah uh mid-decade when nobody else was you look at the fucking cesspool yeah. of misogyny of that decade and you have this filmmaker out of texas working with his incredible collaborator angela bettis and making the most unexpected counterintuitive things and thank god because we can't do this on our own we need we need the allies. We do. We need the cis. We need the straight. It, like, it's it has to all happen together. And as much as I joke about straight men on this podcast, which, by the way, mm-hmm. you guys keep coming back. I don't understand. <laughs> I, I see your tweets. I, you are gluttons for punishment if you're signing yeah. up for this. I, I am not kind to you. But then there you are. <laughs> there you are. You come back. And I have to say, I admire that. I appreciate. I think there is... This is a moment. There are some people out there who are willing to do the work. Mm-hmm. I think Lucky McKee is emblematic of doing that work. Mm-hmm. And it shows in his work. I think, and I, I feel like my my last one will be best, best aughts, best aughts moment. Oh. Paris Hilton existing in, in House of Wax. It's so fun. From the performance yeah. to the, to the to what it was emblematic of to the nature of it being the the perfect crossover the most epic crossover <laughs> i wrote to... down best crossover moment paris hilton and house of wax so we are on the same page yeah i, I yeah but i, I would actually know... i like that you one upped it you took it to the next level and said just best odds moment because i agree that see paris die campaign the way that all of this played out like and the utilization of her as an actual character not just a cameo yep. 
the execution of the video footage in the trailer. Like, I think you are an actual right. good performance, like a good, a, a good, good supporting actress performance, a good supporting actress performance, real Paris voice, real Paris voice coming through. Yeah. The timing of when this movie came out and what she meant to the zeitgeist. Yes. There, there, there is no more odds. There's no more odds figure potentially than Paris. And there's, there's in, in many ways, there are, it is perhaps it is in contention for like most aughts movie of all time house of wax as as emblematic of spectacle horror and remake horror and it it all marries together in this movie and and paris is paris is the the central crown jewel i i couldn't agree more friend and what an i feel like that is the award to cap off an incredible yeah, season I think, together yeah. um <laughs> i you know last season i read uh, I think two different reviews from our iTunes, and I would love to just mm. read two reviews oh, that were please. really special yeah. to me. Great. Um, one of them is a is a straight guy that I bullied into. <laughs> he tweeted something at me, and I said, uh, "I was like, well, you should put that in our reviews." And then he did. Great. So listen, uh, Anthony the Fourth. I'm gonna I'm gonna read this. Uh, five stars. Love the show. Okay. Mm-hmm. As a straight white man, terrible way to start a tweet. <laughs> I love that he said that. Accurate. Um, what I love about Asturian is hearing about horror movies I love from a different lens. As an ally, it's an education. I also get to laugh as well. Two thumbs up emojis and a knife. 10 out of 10. Definitely recommend. Anthony the Fourth. thank you. Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. And I think that's actually one of the joys of doing this podcast that I did not expect that really came mm-hmm. up out of the second season especially um, mm-hmm. is the straight listenership that we've attracted mm-hmm. i i uh i've been really impressed with seeing people challenge themselves to uh to mm-hmm, rethink mm-hmm. material that uh through a lens that isn't the lens they're used to seeing it through mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's the most credit and, i'll give that <laughs> and that's that's your credit ladies and gentlemen gentlemen and i i will shout out a a, a lovely tweet that we got from our frequent uh, sort of twitter uh, interactive companion half price horror at half price horror on Twitter uh, posted yesterday. I thought uh, something that was really nice and I think really gets at exactly how rigorous we aim to be in this podcast, which is they said caught up on Ots Tyrion today. I'm always impressed by how seriously Jordan and Sam take the job of orienting the film in the culture that created it. I've had college courses that didn't work this hard at grounding a work in its context. And that is the fucking mandate here. I, that is, honestly, that is the minimum or we're not going to air it. So. Yeah, that, that is, that is the minimum. But it feels really nice to be seen. Like I was like, I felt really good about that. Cause it's like, you know, that is, that is what we're here to do. Um, And that's, that's why it's important to me. And I know that's why it's important to you. So it was like really cool to read that. And why it's so much fun. Like, that is fun. It, I, it, <laughs> I am having, I have a great time constantly, well, endlessly doing this podcast. That's the enthusiasm that we have for this material, obviously, is built in. The enthusiasm we have for one another, that's, uh, yeah. that's really special. <laughs> and, and so I think that this, uh, this podcast, uh, more than any podcast I've been a part of in the past, has, mm-hmm. has something really, uh, has something really special and unique to just this. And I love when the things that I love about it are things that other people respond to. So thank you guys so much for all of that. I will say that actually is the second review I wanted to read. Like hits that nerve. Um, Uh It's uh, it says the only podcast I run to. 
And this is by <laughs> Good Enough to Type a Review. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Do that. Get Good Enough to Type a Review one, users 1 through 99, guys. Like, just keep using that. Love it. Log on once. Excited hosts excitedly discussing exciting movies. The excitement is contagious as I found myself screaming with delight in my car during the discussion of, AF- of the AFI Miss Murder Needle Drop <laughs> at the end of my Super Psycho Sweet 16. Top shelf pod. Can't wait for another round. And I would, you know, I would, we are, we have been, we have been gifted by, and I would like to think that because you guys download us and you listen to us, which we greatly appreciate, I would like to say that our, our enthusiasm and the sincerity of that gifts us all with certain things. And I, our enthusiasm is going to bring some exciting, a couple of exciting things in season three. (laughs) Our our enthusiasm has generated um, a few things for season three that we're very, very pleased about. Yeah. I think uh, we're, I are, I'm very happy with where we are. That said, we're about to level up. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I I do want to say thank you guys for like taking the time to write stuff like that and tweet and I know that like seriously you don't always get uh replies but I see them all and <laughs> I I really appreciate being so overwhelmed that I have to set limits on my Twitter now cuz I can't open it during certain hours cuz I'll get distracted <laughs> yes. from work. Yes. Um but I appreciate that and and if you do like this podcast I I made this podcast with you under the condition that we would never ask for reviews. Uh, yeah. And that's something that I can't believe I'm sitting here saying. But if you if you do like it, please yeah. go ahead and because you tell us all the time. So just yeah. paste it into a review on iTunes. Yeah, just paste it into a review. Because if you like us, it helps us. It does. And then we all then we get to do more with each other and more for you. I guess so and the reason I bring it up is we are getting some pretty spectacular guests coming up. And it's because of I think a lot of there there's a lot there are a lot of reasons one of them is the response to this pod so yeah it actually does matter I can't believe <laughs> yeah. how much it matters uh, and thank you I know isn't it surprising isn't it isn't it like oh I guess that does shit yeah so uh <laughs> so do us a favor if you like the pod mm-hmm. tell us in the reviews yes um Sam congratulations on another excellent season and don't worry guys there will continue to be a couple more bonus episodes coming your way because we have got a few more episodes ahead of us of I know what you did last summer on Amazon Prime and I know that you're not ready for this but there may be a secret mini season just around the corner yeah oh that's right there may be and by maybe we mean definitely definitely. yeah so, so uh, lace up, lace up your, put, lace up your winter boots. Put your stockings out, friends. Mm-hmm. Hang on by the chimney with care. Because uh, Christina Milian says hello. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. What a fantastic, what a fantastic season. Jordan, thank you so much, as always, for being the person to go on this journey with me. Absolutely. And we'll be back. Goodbye. <laughs>